We love you on today, and we appreciate you. Thank you, baby. I love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you on this morning. My soul is just overwhelmed this morning as I was standing on the side there. One of my babies came up that I've not seen in two years. He came up and just gave me a hug on this morning. I want to encourage you that this is the year of expansion. I was up around 2 or 3 o'clock this morning, just up, going through some Bibles, and I picked up one of my Bibles, and I started going through the Bible. And in one of the Bibles, I begin to go through the pages, and there in the Bible were some dreams that members of the Rock Church had wrote out in 2016. One of the first ones that I read was for my brother, Michael. In 2016, you said, I want to own my own barbershop. I want to own my own business. I'm prophesying to you. Well, not even prophesying, just a word of encouragement to you. He's preparing now. <laughs> He's preparing now. You know what you're doing right now. This is the season to step out. Jordan's not here today, but in his dream, he wrote out that he wanted to play football in the NFL. He's preparing for that right now. I want to tell you that you're in a season where dreams are not just dreams. Dreams are not just dreams, but dreams have already come to pass. It's going to take you and I to simply walk out the dream, to believe the dream. In every Bible that I picked up, and I hadn't picked up these Bibles in years, in years, I haven't read these Bibles. These were study Bibles that I used in the beginning. One is my Dakes Bible. I give honor to my father-in-law, who's deceased now, but it was the first Bible that I began to study with. And I picked up that Bible. I went and bought me a red one, and I picked it up. And as I began to go through the Bible, every Bible that I went through, the ribbon laid in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 54. <laughs> That's our theme scripture for the year. I want to tell you that God is already confirming everything that he's spoken to you. Everything that God has spoken to you. I want to read this theme scripture to you as we prepare to go into our lesson on today. But it says, shout for joy, O barren one. You who have borne no child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud. You who have travailed for the sons of the desolate ones will be numerous than the sons of the married women, says the Lord. Here it is right here. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling and spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and you will possess nations and resettle in the desolate cities. I want to just tell you that we're in a season of expansion. God is going to enlarge. He's going to validate. He's going to confirm. 
He's going to manifest. And throughout this year, we're going to believe that God is going to expand our ministry, your family, your marriage, your business, your money, your health, whatever it is that God has placed in your life, see the expansion of it growing. So, Father, as we go into the word of the Lord on today, Father, as we prepare to rebuild the temple of worship, it's our assignment, the Rock Church's assignment, that in the city that we will be a church, a ministry, where people can come and experience an authentic power that is released from God like never before, where people can trust, where people can depend and lean on the power of the Holy Ghost that will manifest healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thine sight, O Lord. It is our strength, our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You may take your seats. I'm so excited today. I know that this looks very, very unusual for us. <laughs> you guys are really accustomed to Pastor being in the jeans and the biker chains and I really wanted to begin to bring back the sacredness of communion at the Lord's church. I've been hearing the Lord say it for some time. and I remember growing up that communion was so sacred. The first Sunday was so sacred, and we'll get there. The mothers were all dressed in white. The deacons were all dressed in black and white with their nice suits on. The choir marched down the aisle with their robes on and they shouted and they danced and they sang and there was baptism. There was so many things that happened on first Sunday that by the time you got home, all you could do was go to sleep because on first Sunday we were in church all day. Communion was done in the evening when I grew up and so you went back at six o'clock and there was the baptism and People accepted Jesus Christ into their life and the pastor went back and he changed and he came back out. And, and so the Lord took me to the book of Ezra. Took me to the book of Ezra and he began to tell me, I want you to begin to talk about for this month the season of rebuilding the temple. A place of worship where people can actually experience the power of God. I'm, I'm reminded that when I went to church, although I was at a rebellious state at some point in my life, I really realize now that it was the foundation of holiness. It was the foundation of reverence and fear that the church placed within the community. And when we look around today, we don't see so much of the fear and the reverence. We see the rushing through and we see many times we try to water it down because we don't want to offend people. But here in the book of Ezra, we can see that those who had come from the diaspora of being exiled and being held captive in Babylon for 70 years, 
Those who went in did not come out. Their children came out. Their grandchildren came out for 70 years. The children, God's chosen people, the Jews, were in captivity in Jerusalem, well, in Babylon. And they were held there and they became prosperous. They build, they did things, but they were in captivity. It was not until the season where the Persian king came along and he made a declaration because he defeated the giant of Babylon and he freed the Jews and he allowed them to go back to their home. As they arrived back at their home, their place of worship has been destroyed. For 70 years in Jerusalem, there was no presence. For 70 years in Jerusalem, there was no worship, there was no temple, there was no place where people could recognize the presence of God. When we think about the church, the church is just not a building, but the church represents the presence of God in that city. It represents the presence of God and the laws of God and the truths of God in that community. I remember growing up where people respected and honored the preacher when the preacher walked down the street and if the young men were playing dice, they stopped the dice game. If, if, if they were smoking, they put their cigarettes out and they stepped on them. If they were cursing, they stopped cursing and, and said, please forgive me. And, and the preacher simply said, God bless you. Uh, but now to Today, there is little honor for the man of God. There is little honor for the church today. You can see a pastor walking or you can see someone walking in their clergy and things are going on and nothing stops. The cursing, the foul mouth of language. I remember that when we walked into the church that you couldn't play, you couldn't run, you couldn't, you couldn't do all the things that we see now. Why? Because I believe that society has put the fear in us that church should be a place that is friendly, that is user-friendly. But when we look at the body of Christ and we look at the temple, the temple was a place where people came to do what? To worship God. They came to be healed. They came to be made whole. They came came to remind God and they brought back the remembering of Jesus' death, his resurrection, his burial. They, they, they were reminded of what their forefathers did, Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. They, 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 they were reminded of the goodness of God. When you come to church, you should be reminded of the goodness of God. You should be reminded of how great God is. You should be reminded that God still sits on the throne. Uh, when you enter into the temple, uh, there should be a moment where tears hit your body uh, or tears hit your face. Uh, there should be a chill that runs down through your body from the head down to the soles of your feet. Why? Because when you enter into the temple, there should be a moment where you feel the authentic presence of God before you sing before you lift your hands, before you give your offering up. There was a moment in ministry when I grew up, and, and, I'm, and I'm really just setting the pace here that we've got to go back. 
And we've got to rebuild the places where we have become desolate in our worship, where we have watered down the Holy Ghost, where we have become uh, ashamed uh, to, to talk about heaven and hell, where we have become ashamed to talk about the power of Jesus. Come on now. Uh, 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 my brother-in-law was talking to me last night, and he began to say, uh, uh, Graves, I think we really need to prepare because the enemy is preparing his army of demons, come on now, uh, to enter into this world to disrupt the plan of God. Uh, we're afraid to talk about it. Why? Because we don't want people to leave our church. But I remember the old mothers rebuking the enemy off of my life. Uh, I remember, hallelujah, when I was in sin and, 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 I, would, and I would be prepared to take communion and they said, uh, if you're in sin and you touch this table, uh, it'll bring damnation to your soul. You're going to bust hell wide open. Uh, uh, we're afraid to talk about it today. Why? Because we don't want to offend people. Uh, but when you read the Bible, the Bible is full of offense. Uh, the Bible is full of chastising. Uh, the Bible is full of God's judgment against disobedience. Come on now. I, I, I know that Jesus loves everybody. I, I know that God is long-suffering, but he was long-suffering in his own judgment to send his own chosen people into exile for 70 years. He says, you don't want to repent. I don't want to hear you. You don't want to hear me. So pack up your bags. Make sure you take all of your money. Make sure you take all of your lawn chairs because in 70 years, you're going to prosper. I'm going to allow you to make money. I'm going to allow you to do some good things, but you will not enjoy it. Oh, come on now. When we look at the power of God in this season, we've got to fear God like never before. Come on now. I remember when my daddy said, if you don't pay your tithe today, you liable to get in your car and have an accident. If you're riding with somebody that don't believe in the Holy Ghost, if you're riding with your friends and your friends ain't living right, the lightning bolt from heaven might strike you down. See, when I grew up that way, they put the fear in us so that we would understand that God is a jealous God. Have no other gods before me. Uh, come on now. I want to be the only person. We can see right here in the book of Ezra, right around chapter 3, we can see here that they return back to Jerusalem. They return back to Jerusalem and the walls are broken. The concrete is cracked, full of weeds and uh, all of that other stuff. Have you ever rolled past a place that was being built and they stopped for whatever reason and, and the walls were there, no windows were there, it's just a structure and, and weeds are all over the place and now you're looking at it and you're saying, what is this? They came back home and they said, we need a place to worship. But when they got back home, there was the adversary saying, we don't want y'all to rebuild. Uh, come on now. Uh, communities now are wanting to take churches out now. Uh, they're shutting down schools. Come on now. Uh, they don't, they're closing school buildings down, tearing them down because they don't want churches to start their own schools. Come on now. 
school systems now. We look at economic development now. You would rather close a church and keep the bar open. I ain't saying it. Uh, you would rather the church close and be empty. Come on now. And get down to the Cavs game today. Ah, uh, come on now. You would rather, you would rather see the church fail, but when there's murder, you run to the church. Come on now. Uh, when your son is in jail, you run to the church. Come on now. Uh, when he's beating on you, you run to the church. Uh, but the church was never a place where we were to run to. It was a place where we were to come to. Come on now. Uh, uh, it was a place where we were providing a service of Jesus Christ, the good news. It says in verse number three, chapter number three, so they set up the altar on its foundations, for they were terrified because of the people of the lands, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord. They celebrated the feast of the booths that it is written, and they offered the fixed number of burnt offerings daily according to the ordinance each day required. And afterwards there was a continual burnt offering also for the new moons and, and for all the fixed festivals of the Lord that were consecrated. And from everyone who offered a free will offering to the Lord, and verse number six says, from the first day of the seventh month, they begin to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. But the foundation of the temple had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and the carpenters, food and drink and oil to bring cedar from, the, from Lebanon to the sea at Joppa according to the permission that they had from Cyrus the king of Persia. I believe in this moment that the rebuilding has to start with laying the foundations of a new altar. A new altar, number one, that speaks to the reconciliation that has divided mankind and God from its purpose. Our purpose in the earth was to have dominion. Our purpose in the earth was to be fruitful and to multiply. Our purpose in the earth was to do what? Was to be rulers and overseers of what God had placed in our life. But because of sin, we have been separated from our true purpose and our true calling. We can see it here that the chosen generation uh, sought to do what? They sought to live after the accolades of man. They wanted what every other nation had and they denounced their own God. I believe number one that if we're going to reestablish reestablish the building of the temple as it pertains to worship. Come on now. Worship without music. Worship without all of the other stuff. But worship that speaks to offering a pure and holy sacrificial lifestyle before God that reconnects us back to our true purpose fellowshipping with God. Number two, if we're going to rebuild and lay this new foundation, Rock Church, I believe that number two, it's going to take us to be committed to coming in and rebuilding it by prayer and rebuilding it through times of prayer and fasting. I just want to put this in here. Uh, January 17th, we'll enter that. 22 days of prayer. Uh, number one, we've got to do what? We've got to reconcile our relationship 
relationship with Christ, how can we worship? How can we lift our hands? How can we praise him? How can we really pray to him and really hear the heart of God and there is no foundation of reconciliation that says, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, please forgive me. I repent, Lord, I've turned my back on you. I repent, Lord, because I've not been what you called me to be, God. But God, as I return into 2022, as I walk into this new year, I want to lay the foundation where my relationship with you is reconciled to back where it was, to where it was in the beginning. Come on now. There was fellowship. Come on now. There was communion. Come on now. There was sacrificial giving. Come on now. There was commitment. Come on now. And then number two. Come on now. I want to learn how to pray again. I want to learn how to believe again. I want to learn how to trust you again. And through this time of prayer, I want you to reconcile my heart back to you. As you reconcile my heart, as we lay the foundation, we've got to reconcile our hearts back to God. We've got to, number two, re-engage authentic moments of prayer. Come on now. Christ-centered prayer. Altars represent prayer. They represent worship. They represent the presence of God. They represent the memorials of what God has done, what he's going to do, and what he will do. Come on now. We've got to begin to build altars for our generations. We've got to teach our children how to pray. We've got to teach our children how to depend on God. At an early age, come on now, uh, when I was growing up in the church, uh, by the time you turned 12, they said, now you're responsible. Whatever you do now, it's on you. By the time you became 15, they said, you should know better by now. By the time you turn 18, uh, you should know everything that you need to know. And now your life is in your hands and it's in the hands of the Father. So whatever you do now, uh, it's on you. I believe we got to raise our children to understand that God is a real God, that God is not some fake God, that God is not the man up above. He's not some higher power. His name is Elohim. His name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is El Shaddai. His name, come on now, I know everybody's saying Yahshua now, but I just want to call him God. Hallelujah. I want to call him the God of the universe. I want to call him the God of the heavens. I want to call him the creator. I want to call him the mighty one. He's not just some superstitious person. He's a real living God that has power in his hands, power in his mouth. He breathed life into you. I'm talking about if we really want to restore worship, we've got to get back to calling him by his real name. His name is God. His name, hallelujah, he's higher than anybody else. Come on now. He's no, he's no man that he should ever lie. Come on now. He's pure. He's holy. He's righteous. He's majestic in all of his ways. Come on now. He's awesome. Hallelujah. I know we tell other people he's awesome, but nobody's awesome like God. If we want to rebuild, we've got to reconcile our hearts back to God. Number two, then we've got to re-engage our moments of prayer. Come on now. Come on now. And then number three, we've got to do what? We've got to set a time where God can renew our strength. Come on, renew my strength because 
during these last two years, uh, it's not been fair. Come on now. Uh, uh, it seems like uh, that God is just sitting there watching us. Uh, but God renew my mind. Come on now. Renew my thoughts. Come on now. Uh, renew my spirit so that I can serve you. Give me a clean heart. Come on now. So that I might serve you. So that I might love you. So that I may honor you. If we're going to relay the foundation, we've got to do what? We've got to rebuild it by reconciling ourselves back to God. Come on now. Uh, we're waiting on God to do it, but we have to do it. Come on now. Because God never broke relationship. God never sinned. God never caused the problem that we're going through. Come on now. When you look about it, and when you look at it and think about it, God is waiting on the church. He's waiting on the rock church. He's waiting on us to say, I'm ready to reconcile. I'm ready to walk back into your arms. I'm ready to reposition myself. I'm ready, oh God, hallelujah, to readjust, oh God, and to reclaim the relationship that I've lost with you, oh God. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, we can see here that they were praying. They were having celebrations, but there was no foundation laid. Come on now. We're celebrating. We're giving. And it just simply says, but there is no firm foundation that we're standing on. The foundations of prayer have been broken. The foundations of holiness and righteousness have been broken. The foundations where the power of the Holy Ghost is ready to heal your life, where the power of the Holy Ghost is ready to raise the dead. I, I remember seeing people being healed in the church. Why? Because the foundation was laid for healing, deliverance, signs and wonders and miracles. Come on now. If we really want to see a move of God, if we really want to defend the kingdom of God, if we really want to put up a force field against the demonic forces that are coming to attack this earth, as my brother-in-law said, we've got to begin to set the foundation. We've got to stand on a firm foundation that when the winds blow, I might sway to the right, I might bend to the left, I might go this way, go that way, I might fall down, but guess what? I'm still on a firm foundation. He's the rock of my salvation. He's the hope. He's my joy. He's the love of my life. He's everything that I need, my all in all. But in this moment, it's time for the rebuilding of what? Reconciling our relationship back to God. In Ezra, we can see that their job was to do what? Was to bring worship back into the city was to bring worship back into a place where people understand the power, where people walk into a place and feel the presence of God. Their first agenda was not to go out and build new houses. And their agenda was not to go out and start new businesses, but we need a place where we can 
worship. We need a place where we can honor God. We need a place where the glory of God can be illuminated throughout this city and throughout this country. Come on now. Can you imagine that word gets out that on East 80th Street in Union, come on now, the power of God is flowing. People are being healed. Signs, wonders, and miracles are taking place. And people begin to come. Your family members, God begins to restore and reconcile a city back to God where there is no more murder. Where there is no more murder. But see, what the enemy wants us to believe, that we have to live with the murder. That we have to live with the violence in our city. But the children of Ezra said that this is a season where we want to reestablish the moving and the power of the Holy Ghost. So as you lift your hands today, I want you to just simply say, Lord, speak to me. As we enter this next moment and we prepare to set the table today. As we prepare our first act as your bishop in serving communion, Father, reestablish. Father, we want to reconcile the broken relationship. Father, every time we turn our backs on you, we crucify Jesus all over again. His body was broken. Come on, I just want you to think about your relationship. Lord, what can I do? What can we do to reconcile the brokenness of families? The brokenness of a generation that is crying out for help. The brokenness of fathers abandoning their children and mothers lost, unable to nurture. Father, when all we see is violence, young men killing young men, the violence of destruction that destroys dreams, the violence that causes us not to trust leaders in government, the injustices that cause us to look at you sideways as if you're the person that's doing it. Father, give us a moment where we can rebuild the foundation. So Father, we thank you and we bless you Father, we love you. Let's prepare. Father, we worship you. And I want you to begin to reconcile your relationship with God. Whatever it might be, whatever you're going through, wherever you feel you have disconnected the relationship that you once had, reconcile that relationship Lord forgive us of our sin forgive us of the sin that has separated us 
our purpose, from our destiny. Forgive us, Lord, of the sin in our lives, oh God. Sin that we don't even know that we're doing and that we're committing, oh God. Those moments where we have lacked in prayer, those moments where we have lacked in our commitment and our trust towards you, Father. As we prepare to set the table, oh God, to secure this house, Father, we ask that your blood has already redeemed us. You've already sent your son Jesus to finish the work. So, Father, we stand as the celebrants of the finished work. Can somebody just say that? I, I worship from the finished work. I, I worship and I honor you and my relationship with you today is from the finished work. And all you require is that I walk out and live out the finished work of Jesus Christ. What do you mean, Bishop, when you say I'm living out the finished work of Jesus Christ? His death, burial, and resurrection. He redeemed us all from the sin. He went all the way back to the first Adam where sin was committed where we hid and placed a veil between us and God. We no longer have to worship through a veil and we no longer have to worship through different sacrifices, but we are the living sacrifice. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the sacrificial lamb that gave his life pure, holy, no sin. So, Father, we stand today as the finished work, as we prepare to set the table. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. After the same manner, Jesus took the cup and said unto them, this is my cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink, for as often as you do it, you do honor my death until I return. Hallelujah. We do this in remembrance. Remembering is not calling back or recalling remembering is simply living out the finished work. Every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we remember that the work has been finished. That the body of Christ represents the finished work. We also believe that the Lord's Supper represents that God is not far, but God is right here. 
that God represents the table. He's in the table. He's here now. So we're not calling God. We're living and we're worshiping in the presence of God. And we're remembering the finished work. His body was broken, but the finished work, hallelujah, come on now. But the finished work gives us a whole body that lives and breathes the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of God. Now take and eat. The blood that was shed on Calvary, the blood that redeems. There was not only blood that came out of the side of Jesus, but there was water, the cleansing, the refreshing. Remember that the finished work represents redemption. It represents the full cleansing and the washing of what was once dirty, contaminated, has now been cleansed through the finished work. Let us partake. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for our families. Father, I now pronounce the blessing upon the family. Father, I pronounce that they shall be blessed in their going and in their coming. Blessed, Father God, shall they be all the days of their life. Blessed, Father God, from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. Blessed in their storehouses, O oh God, shall they be. Father God, we thank you. We bless you now and we bless them. Father, we set the force field and we plead the bloodline protection around our children, around our homes, around our health, around our families, around our school systems, around our police officers, our teachers, our doctors, our hospitals, our governors, our presidents, our senators, our congressmen, our judges, oh God, our businesses, oh God activists and leaders, oh God. Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name that we live out the finished work. In Jesus' name, we pray. Hallelujah. Thank you all for joining us on today. I pray that your life is blessed. If anyone wants to be saved today, you're here today and you want to accept Jesus Christ into your life. You want to rededicate your life to Christ. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I want you to come here if you need me to pray with you. If you're there online, I want you to understand that Jesus represents the finished work and that your life represents the full reflection of what Jesus finished so that you and I might have life and may have life more abundantly. Reconcile, re-engage, and ask God to renew your strength. Anybody here that needs prayer today, 
I want to touch and agree with you today wherever you are. Hallelujah. Anybody that needs prayer. our time of giving on today I want you to make sure that you give your time you sow your time you offer it those that are here our offering basket is here we believe that the 10% belongs to God we believe that the offering opens up the windows of heaven where God will pour you out a blessing where you won't have room enough to receive and then we also believe in blessing our men of God your men of God your seed your harvest we love you. We'll see you next Sunday. We're living in the year of expansion, double or nothing. It's our desire to create relevant moments where broken and hurting people are restored back to their rightful place in God. We love you. Have a great day. Happy New Year. Remain safe. Keep your mask on in places and live out the finished work. May the blessing of the Lord rest in your life. Amen.